0: This morning we're going to be studying one verse, and that's a verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10. I invite you to turn there. If you're online with us today, we welcome you. We praise God for you, and uh, I pray that you sense the presence of the Lord there where you are just as much as we do here. If you're a guest today, we welcome you, and we say to you that we know it takes a lot of courage to go to a new building, to park in a new parking spot, and to come into a new, a new place in worship. And so we really praise God for you. We really thank God for you. And our prayer here at the fellowship is not only that you would feel welcomed, but that you would feel loved. And not only that you would experience new friends, but that you would experience the presence of a living God. Uh, I say to you with great confidence that God is alive and well and working in our lives. And if you're new to the church thing (laughs) or to the Christian faith, we welcome you. We understand that you may have a lot of questions about what it means to live the Christian life or what it means to be a Christian or what it means to go to church. We hope that you'll find your answers here at the fellowship. Uh, We thank God for you. Uh, We are in Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, Last week we started what would we call this? A a slow stroll through several verses in Hebrews chapter 10. We began with verse 19 and we studied verse 19 and verse 20 and verse 21. This morning we're going to be in verse 22 and in the following weeks we'll look at verses all the way through verse 25. But let's look at the text in its entirety as we study verse 22 this morning. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. And the important point that we made last week was that we enter the presence of God. We enter into the holy places, not based on our good works or our intelligence. Uh, We enter the holy place, the presence of God, Through the blood of Jesus. There's no other way. Uh, Through the blood of Christ. It says, so then therefore, since we have this confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us then draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Lord, as we begin this portion of our worship service where we study and think about your word, we confess, Lord, its accuracy. We confess our need for your word, Lord, to shape us and to mold us and to be who it is that you want for us to be. We celebrate the power of the scripture, Lord. We Declare to you that sometimes it encourages us and, and sometimes it challenges us and convicts us. But Lord, whatever it does in our hearts this morning, would you just do a work? Would you bless your word today so that we are different leaving than we were coming in? That is our prayer. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So verse 22, that's the one we were looking at this morning. The one that says, let us draw near with a true Uh, excuse me, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And if you have your notes in front of you this morning, you see that we're going to ask and hopefully answer several questions. And the first is in verse 22, and it says, draw near. The question is, draw near to what or to whom? It says, therefore, then let us draw near. Okay, so that's calling us to action. Draw near to who? Draw near to what? Before we answer that, I just want you to notice a couple of things about this phrase. One is that we are are responsible for seeing it through we are responsible for executing this command or this expectation that's placed on us and I say that because the verses above talk all about the actions of Christ and about how he made a way for us and about how he paved the way for us and about how it's his blood and his flesh that gave us access to the holy places and so it goes on and on and on about the responsibilities of Christ to give us a way and then to invite us into the presence of God but verse 22 changes the tone of expectation and now what we're talking about is what is expected of us let us draw near does God give us the power to do that yes does God pave the way for us to do that yes Does God, the one who issues the invitation for us to do that? Yes, but it is our responsibility to do it. Let us take action. Therefore, because of the great things that Christ has done on our behalf, let us take action. Let us draw near. That's an important phrase. Because it implies that we have some actions to take in drawing near. Another thing that this implies is a sense of process and a sense of relationship. Draw near. Now the question that we're answering is, draw near to what? (laughs) Draw near to who? And the answer is, draw near to God himself. That is the glorious point of Hebrews 10 verses 19 through 25 is that Jesus Christ has made a way for us to draw near to the very presence of God, the one who created the heavens and the earth, the one who knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who gave you life, the one who sustains your life, the one who brings you life, the one who gives you purpose, the one who can fill you with joy. We are called to draw near to the God who created us. That's an awesome thing. Now, here's the problem that many of us face. If you've been in church for one year or five years or 10 years we have the problem and this is what we call the veil of familiarity we've heard this over and over and over again and so it kind of loses its punch sometimes like the reality that we are invited to live life in the very presence of god sometimes it loses its wonder because we hear it so often and if you grew up in church you probably grew up hearing that you're invited to live in the presence of god or to have a personal relationship with god but think about how awesome that is the one who made you the one who reigns in heaven and on earth wants you to come into his presence and spend time in the presence of god it fills us with wonder there's a band uh, that is popular in today's world and they wrote a song I want to share it with you. I'm not checking my text messages this morning. I'm I'm pulling up the lyrics because it really captures the wonder of who am I that God would want me to hang out with God? It says, who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name? What an incredible thought. Who am I that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name and would care to feel my hurt? Who am I that the bright and morning star would choose to light the way for my ever-wandering heart? It goes on to say, Who am I that the eyes that see my sin would look on me with love and watch me rise again. Who am I that the voice that calmed the sea would call out through the rain and calm the storm in me? You see, the the band that wrote this song is just thinking about this incredible reality that we have been called to live in the presence of God. Who am I that God would want to know my name? Who am I? That God would want me to walk with him on a daily basis. It fills us with wonder. And and it gives us like this awestruck feeling or sense. Or at least it should. Maybe you've been living with this reality so long that it doesn't reach into your soul and grip your heart and go, Are you listening to this? (laughs) But it's amazing thought. We get to live in the presence of God. This band, the Casting Crowns, isn't the only band to write about this. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 8 actually wrote about this. If you're making notes, I encourage you to go back and study Psalm 8. It says, What is man, O God, that you are mindful of us? And he's wrestling with this thought of, God, why do you even seek to engage with us? And then here we read Hebrews 10 verse 22 that says, let us draw near. And that's an incredible thought. Let us draw near to God himself. But why? Why draw near to God? Now, obviously, if it says it in the scripture, it's sufficient. So if if the scripture calls us to do something, we want to do that by obedience. But as we're trying to work out in our mind, what is the meaning or what is the purpose of me drawing near to God? Like what happens in my life when I'm drawing near to God? I want to give you a couple of things that happen, a couple of benefits or a couple of of, of ideas that happen when we seek to do, not just know, but do verse 22, where we seek to really draw near to the Lord. One thing that happens is that we experience more peace and more rest. And, and I would say to you that there are some Probably pains and hurts in our life that you've experienced in your life that only being in the presence of God can bring healing to. There's some burdens that you carry that only drawing near to God is going to bring you peace and rest. Peace and rest is a byproduct of living in the presence of God, of drawing near to God like we're called to do in verse 22. Another benefit of drawing near to God is that we get perspective on life. And I know that we all like to think that we're right like 100% of the time. And if you get in a discussion or an argument or a fight with someone, it's usually because you are convinced that you're right about whatever it is that you're arguing or fighting about. But here's something that I want you to think about. When you take a step back from whatever it is, the circumstance or the decision or the thing that's going on in your life, uh, maybe even a fight, maybe even a discussion with somebody that you love, and you take a step back from that, and then you walk into the presence of God, and you draw near to God, and you spend time with God, you get a different perspective sometimes. Like sometimes, are you ready for this? Sometimes we're not right. That's hard to hear, isn't it? And sometimes we have to draw near to God in order to discover that. I've mentioned this here before, times where growing up as a kid and I would be so upset with a friend or about a circumstance or so-and-so did this to me at school and I would tell my dad or my mom about it and they would just begin asking me questions and in the course of conversation, my whole perspective on the situation would change. That's why we draw near to God. Because our perspective can shift. We can see things in a more heavenly or biblical or holy perspective. We receive peace and we receive rest. We receive perspective. We receive fulfillment. You know, listen, if God is the one who made us, then just being in the presence of God will bring fulfillment to our lives. Like when I'm just... Sitting or standing in the presence of God as I'm drawing near to the Lord, I am filled with this sense of fulfillment just because I'm near the one who made me. It's like that with you and I'm sure people that you love and care about, you just are in their presence. Talking about what? I don't know. Doing what? I don't know, but you're just there, right? You're just Spending time with people that you love and it blesses you. And it's no different when we draw near to the Lord. We experience fulfillment because we are in the very presence of the one who made us. Let us draw near. It's our responsibility to do that. We also experience transformation. As we draw near to the Lord. Now, if you're making notes this morning, I want to ask you to write something. And I want you to I wanna ask you to write this in a way that the moment that you look at this page of notes, it's the first thing that you see. Like write it in all caps. Circle it. Underline it. Exclamation point. Exclamation point, And put a third one. Exclamation point. That's how important this next point is. As We're talking about drawing near to God for peace and for rest and for perspective and for fulfillment and for transformation? Would you write this down? Accept no substitutions. And the reason that I say that to you this morning, for those of you who are here, those of you who are watching online, is because there are literally thousands of substitutions for actively and intentionally drawing near to the presence of God. And they're interesting and they catch our eyes, but ultimately they can't do what it is that drawing near to God can do. To explain this point, I will need the help of those of you who are here who are passionate, serious Diet Coke drinkers. Where are you? One over here. All right. Diet Coke and Diet Coke alone. Back here? Okay. The emotional angst that you feel when you go to a restaurant and they say, what would you like to drink? And you say, Diet Coke. And they say, will Diet Pepsi be okay? Has that ever happened to you before? And the violence that you inflict on this person, like in your imagination, right? Like if if Diet Pepsi was what I wanted, I would have said Diet Pepsi, right? But you don't want that for a substitute because it's not the same thing. It's wet. It's a soda. It's a diet soda. But it's not Diet Coke. Now, all of you, I think, are aware that I feel very passionate in this way about mayonnaise. There's no purpose on planet Earth for Miracle Whip. I feel passionately about that. In fact, if you want to debate me on that, let me give you some perspective, okay? Here's some perspective. Miracle Whip was in... Was invented after the fall of man. I'm just saying. It is a byproduct of the fall. Anyway, let me get back to my point. My point is (laughs) some substitutions are really bad substitutions for the real thing. Some of you are Diet Coke drinkers, and, and it really does frustrate you when you order a Diet Coke and they bring a Diet Pepsi. Some of us, Other condiments, right? So we get this understanding. But to really bring it home, I want you to think about for those of you who have ever done exercising in your life, or if you're not an exerciser but you love to be outdoors and you go outdoors in the summer and you're either working in your garden or you're in your flower bed and you're just exhausted and you think to yourself, I really need to drink some water because I'm becoming exhausted. I'm getting so hot, I'm getting so parched, I need to drink some water. So you go inside, you're so thirsty that the first thing that you see is, I don't know, something like Kool Aid or soda, or whatever it is, and you take it, and you drink it, but it doesn't satisfy your thirst. And it's wet, and it's a beverage, but it's not water, and it's not going to satisfy you. In fact, it probably makes it worse. That's what I'm talking about. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22 says, we have the opportunity to draw near to God himself. And anything else that we would draw near to in place of that will never satisfy us. In fact, it will only exasperate the problem. And so this morning, as we're looking at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, it says, therefore, let us draw near. And we've asked that question, draw near to what or draw near to whom? We've looked at drawing near to God himself, not a set of doctrines, although doctrine isn't very important. Understanding what the Bible teaches is very important. But the author of Hebrews isn't saying draw near to a set of doctrines. And the author of Hebrews isn't saying draw near to religion or draw near to a denomination or draw near to a pastor that preaches the way that you love. The the author of Hebrews is saying draw near to God. That's where you find fulfillment. And anything else, it may look like it, it may resemble it, but it will not fulfill. So that's the first question. Draw near to who? The second question this morning is, how do we draw near? You may be looking at this this morning going, this is good news. I get to draw near to God. How do I do that? How do I... Wake up on Monday and draw near to God. Tell me how to do that. It's almost as though the author of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 22, anticipated us asking that question. Because just as soon as he writes the phrase, let us draw near, the next word that you see is the word with. Because the author not only wants to give us the instruction, but the author wants to tell us about how to do it. And if you look this morning, you see some very, for some it may be confusing phrases, but I want you to see that the author gives us the how. How do we draw near to God? He says three important things. The first one is with a true heart in full assurance of faith. What he's saying is, when we draw near, let us draw near filled with faith. Let us be people who have the full assurance of faith. And that forces us kind of to pause, right? And to ask the question, am I seeking God from a place of faith? Do I have faith in my life? I don't just mean when I come here and sing on Sundays, but like at my job or students at school, am I living in my heart? Is, there this, is it just filled up with faith? Let us draw near with a true heart and in full assurance of faith. Let us draw near, it goes on to say, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. Still in verse 22 this morning, all we're looking at is verse 22. Now, this phrase is where it really gets real for some of us. Some of us might get a little offended at what verse 22 is saying when it says that you need to be cleansed from the evil that you have in your life with this evil conscience. You You need your heart to be sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. And some of us might be sitting here this morning going, I'm not evil. I'm not a bad person. Like Jeff at the testimony this morning when he's like, I just figured I'd never killed anybody. I'm pretty good to go. You have to understand that if that is your perspective of what evil is, you and the Bible have different definitions of evil. Now, is murder evil? Yes. But so are other things that you and I do on a regular basis. And he said, like, what I had to learn is that I had to confess that I'm a sinner and I needed to repent. I needed the grace of God. Now, I know that some of us aren't offended by that. And here's how I know that. Because in a room this size, with the diversity of people that we have this morning, there are some here who are suffering right now from the evil or the wickedness that is inside of them. Like maybe your choices this weekend or last week or last month are haunting you. And you don't need to be told that you have evil or wickedness inside of you. Because you can feel it. You can look at what happened in the past month and you can clearly see that there's evil or wickedness in you. But the point that I'm making is this. The Bible addresses us as we are. You know, and sometimes we're looking for the Bible to say kind and nice things to us and encourage us. And there's many places that it does. I mean, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So that we could have life. That's an encouraging thought. But understand this. That the Lord loves us enough to speak truth into our lives. And Hebrews chapter 10 verse 22 says. That we are to come into the presence of God. From a place of being transformed. In which the Lord has dealt with our hearts. We've been sprinkled. We've been cleansed from an evil conscience. And our bodies have been washed with pure water. Now, that may be an interesting slash confusing statement for you. Bodies washed with pure water. What does that mean? Is that like the Dasani brand? Or the Smart Water brand? Or... Does my town have pure water? If you're confused by the phrase, I can understand that because this isn't a phrase that we use very often. But what I want you to see is in this scripture, in, in verse 22, if you go back and look at it with me. How do we draw near a true heart in full assurance of faith? That is implying transformation, Our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, that is implying transformation. Our bodies washed with pure water, that is implying transformation. What we're looking at in verse 22 is the reality that the gospel is a gospel that purifies us and transforms us and does this incredible work in our life. So when the author of Hebrews is thinking about how to articulate it to people, this is what he chooses, that we've been sprinkled clean, that we've been washed with pure water. And, And so this cleansing process is the place by which we pursue to live in the presence of God. Now here's the thing with that. Sometimes we like the cleansing process And sometimes we don't. For instance, have you ever been walking on the sidewalk after a nice rain and a car drives by a puddle and baptizes you? Has that ever happened to you before? Like all of a sudden, all of the dirt and the cigarette butts that are in the street has just been put onto your personhood. By this passing car. And you're just sitting there going, this might be the nastiest moment of my life. And all you can think about is, I want to go home right now and take a shower. Because this is disgusting. Or maybe you've gone camping. I have one of my earliest memories of camping was it started raining and the tent had holes in it. And we stomped around in the mud just as long as our family could stomach it. And then we're like, we're going home. There was mud everywhere. There was mud in the truck. There was mud throughout the house. And all I could think of is, I just want to take a hot shower and get rid of this nonsense. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. We enjoy the process of cleansing when we understand the filth that is on us. But when we don't, we don't enjoy the process. When I was growing up as a kid, I was a teenager at this point, we had a dog named Lucky. And we called Lucky Lucky because I pulled over on the freeway because this dog was like running down the freeway. And I love animals and my parents weren't with me. And I was like, Hey, why not? So I pull over on the freeway, cars whizzing by, take this huge dog, put the dog in my car, take it home, and we called him Lucky. So he was lucky that we got him. We actually were the ones that were blessed because he was a great dog. But one of the things that Lucky enjoyed doing was playing in mud. That was his spiritual gift. Playing in mud. And Lucky also had the spiritual gift of finding and catching squirrels. But it wasn't the catch and release kind. And um, let me see how to say this. Well, he would play in it. (laughs) And then Lucky would want to come inside with mud and squirrel all over him. Here's the problem. Lucky also slept in my bed. And so that dog wasn't coming in. Like, this was my first shot at fatherhood. Like, you're not coming in until you're taking a shower today, Lucky. And so Lucky hated to take baths. But we would go out there after he's bathed in mud and squirrels. And he would take a bath. And Lucky hated every. Second of it. But he loved coming inside. He loved coming inside. But he had to go through the cleansing part to be able to come into the house. And what I would say to you is that we look at this on paper and we say, sprinkle my heart And cleanse me from my evil conscience. And and we also may say something like. Wash us with pure water. Because it looks so lovely on paper. But I want to say to you. That sometimes. The redemptive processes of God. The cleansing processes of God. Can be a little startling for us. But here the text is clear. Draw near to God from a place of having been cleansed. And I got to tell you this morning that you need to make sure that you've been through this process. You need to make sure that there's a place in your life where you were kind of like Jeff. Everybody's story is different, I understand that. But where you move from being religious. To being a follower of Jesus, from knowing the catechism, as Jeff was talking about, knowing scriptural answers, to having been cleansed by the Spirit of God. You need to make sure that that has happened, because those are the people that draw near to the God who made us. So how do we draw near? A true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, with our bodies washed with pure water. And then the third question, but how do we draw near? Now, you may be looking at that going, oh, Pastor Zach made a typo this week. He asked the same question twice. No, it's not a typo. Here's the thing. Like what we just looked at is very technical and very theological in nature, But what you probably are wondering is, okay, I get all of this, but how do I apply this in my life? How how does my life import this information so that I apply it Monday through Friday and Saturday and Sunday? Like, what do I actually do to draw near to God? And I want to share some thoughts with you about that. Very practical thoughts. These are action-driven. These are things that you can actually do to draw near to God. There's three of them. Number one, time in worship is drawing near to God. And when I say worship, I, I do mean to include what we're doing here on Sunday mornings. But there's so much more to the spiritual discipline of worship. I hope for your own spiritual sake... That, the only, that, that this, this spot that we're in this morning isn't the only time that you worship the Lord. I hope that you have a personal, dedicated, protected time that you enter into the presence of God with worship. Because if you don't, you're missing out. Time worshiping the Lord is drawing near. Time in prayer and meditation is drawing near. Now, we understand these concepts well enough, but I want to define them. Prayer is the activity of speaking to and the listening to the Lord. Prayer is communication, and communication is a two-way street. So, prayer involves speaking to God and listening for God to respond. But meditation is a tricky one because, usually, in evangelical churches, people normally fall into two categories. With meditation. One is like we've kind of bought in lock, stock and barrel with this Eastern religion type of stuff of meditation and, and uh, spending time in meditation and, and all the other ways that the world religions experience meditation. And that's on one side of the pendulum or the spectrum. And then on the other side are people who think if a pastor talks about Christian meditation, he slipped into heresy. And all of a sudden, we don't believe the Bible anymore. No, that's not what I'm saying. In fact meditating on the word of God is in the Bible. Like it's something we're called to do. So what I want to do for you is kind of define what I mean when I say meditation is drawing near to God. And here's the difference between the way most of the world today talks about meditation and the way that the scripture talks about meditation. In much of the world religions, when you say meditation, what you're talking about Is emptying yourself. Your thoughts, your feelings, your motives, your emotions, your intentions, your actions. And meditation is a process by which you empty yourself of those things. Biblical meditation is the exact opposite. Meditation is filling yourself with the word of God and with the kingdom of God. Christian meditation is meditating upon the Psalms or meditating upon the character of God. And when we meditate in a Christian sense, we're drawing near to the Lord. When we pray, we're drawing near to the Lord. When we spend time in worship, we're drawing near To the Lord. When we spend time in Scripture, we are drawing near to the Lord. Now, in your notes, you see the distinction between reading and studying the Scripture. Both are activities that help us to draw near to the Lord. Reading is just simply reading through the Bible. Studying is stopping and circling the verbs and looking at the nouns and saying, what does this teach me about the character of God? And how does this call for my life to change? And really seeking to study the Bible as opposed to just reading through it. But both of them are activities by which we draw near to God. Now, you probably favor one or the other. Some of you probably enjoy reading the Bible. Chapters and chapters of the Bible, you'll read them. Some of you prefer to study where you look at one verse. One for a whole week and you study everything there is to know about it. Both are activities of drawing near to the Lord. How do we draw near? Worship, prayer, meditation, time in Scripture. I thought as I was putting this message together and praying over it and praying for you as you would be listening to it and thinking through the way that I want to lay it out and thinking about my different points. One of the things that I was thinking about is on the weeks that I don't do good with this, why is it like when when we're not drawing near to the Lord now Jesus has made the way for us to draw near. We know that. And he's invited us to draw near. We know that. We have the opportunity to draw near. We know that. And yet we all admit we don't always draw near. Why? What would keep us from this? I reflected on that. I came up with three Three challenges that I find in my life sometimes, and, and these may be your challenges, or maybe they're not, and they just spur you on to identify your challenges. The first one is a time challenge. I think probably everybody in this room and those of you who are online with us right now, we're probably all busy. We fill our calendar with good, important stuff and we feel it so full that if we were to say, where are you going to give the Lord an hour each day? You'd look at it and go, you know, I don't know. You know, I've got Bob at 12 and Sue at 1 and I've got this meeting and I've got to go to the rotary thing. And so I don't really know if I've got time for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords today. I don't know if I've got time to spend with the one who made me and sustains me. Like, I'm just really busy today, right? Like, and it sounds crazy to say that out loud, but that's how we operate our lives sometimes. And so if that's you, if your challenge to drawing near to God is like my challenge, which is my time challenge, I want to encourage you today to sit down with your calendar and literally protect some time to spend with the Lord, block it, defend it with your life. Don't let anything be scheduled on that. And yes, we're busy people. We have a lot to do. We have a lot of important things to do and to attend to, but we can never be so busy that we think that we don't have time to draw near to the one who made us the time challenge. The second challenge is my focus challenge. Can I just tell you something about the way that Zach Nicholson's brain works? (laughs) It's a scary thought. I can open the Bible, John chapter six or Exodus chapter nine, whatever it is that I'm going to be studying. I can open the Bible. My eyeballs can literally be looking at the words I am reading the words in the Bible, and all of a sudden, I'm thinking about something else. Has that ever happened to you? And it may be good stuff. Like, I may be thinking about my family, or I may be thinking about you guys, or I may be thinking about the sermon, or I may be thinking about dinner. Who knows what I'm going to be thinking about? But I'm literally reading the Bible thinking about something else because I lose focus like four million times a day. Is it just me? Isn't that crazy that we can do that? And so I've developed like this strategy, like this system. I don't know if it helps you or not, but I'm going to say it to you because if it does help, good. When I read the Bible, when I study the Bible, I always do so with an empty piece of paper and a pen. And every time one of those things come into my mind to distract me, I write it down so that I can release it. I don't have to think about it anymore because I've written it down and I can come back to it later. And I may have to write down 50 things and it may be something that I'm responsible to do or a bill that I need to pay or this or that. I mean, it is all over the map. It seems like when I want to spend time with God, it's when all of these things flood my brain. I just write them down and then I can release them and focus on drawing near to God. But the second strategy that I have, it feels weird calling it a strategy, but it really is. That's what it is. It's a way that I deal with losing focus when I'm trying to draw near to God. I just include all of that stuff in my relationship with God. You know, I've got three kids. And they're all different. They all communicate different. And one of the coolest things that I love, is when any of them just comes and sits down next to me and just starts talking. And it's one of the most glorious things on planet earth. One of my kids just wanting to be with their dad. And I honestly don't really care what we talk about. Like half the stuff that they know about, I don't know about. So sometimes I'm totally lost. But I just try to be like, oh yeah, that's you know, I try to say, yeah, I understand what you're saying. And that's, you know, I try to use the language and connect with my kids. But it's the most beautiful thing ever. Here's what I've discovered. I don't need 100% of the time for my kids to be sitting with me going, Dad, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you. And thanks for buying us breakfast this morning. And thanks for buying us lunch this morning, this afternoon. And thanks for providing for dinner. And thanks for giving us a house. And thanks for uh, letting us go in the youth group and thanks for bringing us to church and uh, thanks for the shoes that I'm wearing and thanks for buying my shirt and thanks for, uh, you know, stocking the pantry with ramen noodles because my kids love ramen noodles and, and uh, thanks uh, for buying real mayo and not, you know, Miracle Whip. And... I don't need two hours of conversation where they're just telling me how awesome I am. I love it when they tell me what's going on. And I used to think that unless I was telling God how awesome he is and how thankful I am, that I wasn't having a meaningful time with him. But that's not true. Now, do we need to tell God how awesome he is? Yes. Like, we need to worship God. We need to express our thanks to God But listen, if I've got a list of 50 things that's burdening me, I think God is honored when I bring that to him. I draw near to him and I say, Lord, you may think this is stupid, but so-and-so hurt my feelings. (laughs) Or I'm worried about this thing. God, I know that you've been faithful for 41 years of life, but I'm worried about next week for some reason. And I just want to get that off my chest. Include it. All these things that I get distracted from, I'm trying to learn to include them in my relationship with God. And then they're not distractions. Then they're connection points. And I find it helpful for me. The third challenge is probably the most chilling and important one for us to think about this morning. It's the heart challenge. Here's what I mean by that as we close this morning. Some people's hearts Long to draw near to something contrary to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not that you don't have time. It's not that you lack focus. It's just that your heart is hungry for something that is against the principles of God. And you need to deal with that. Because if your heart is drawn towards something other than God, there's a spiritual problem there. Like it may not be a time problem, it may not be a focus problem. It may just be my heart is drawn to the temptation of a specific sin that seeks to pull me away from fellowship with God. That's a serious challenge. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all face the temptation, and our temptations may be different, but we are perpetually facing the temptation to choose something other than what God has for us. And so this morning I ask you to draw near to the Lord from a place of transformation and to the extent that you look back on your life and say, I haven't been drawing near to the Lord. Ask yourself why? Is it a time challenge? Is it a focus challenge? Is it a heart challenge? Is your heart longing for something other than God? But would you would you notice what it is that is pulling you away from drawing near to the Lord? And deal with it, deal with it. Would you bow with me this morning? What better way for us to end a message on drawing near to the Lord than drawing near to the Lord? And we have the time this morning before we close for you just to take a few moments and personally draw near. And this morning as we bow and Seek to draw near to the Lord. The Lord may be working in your heart this morning. You may have seen your challenge on this paper this morning. And I wanna ask you to not only perceive and understand what it is that's keeping you from drawing near, But I want to ask you to deal with that. Because as a person who loves you, there's no greater thing for you to do this morning than to get back on track with drawing near to God. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together, how we are thankful for your word, how we love you, how we could spend two and three and four and 20 hours thanking you and telling you all of the ways that you've blessed our life, for you have been good to us. We also say to you, Lord, this morning that we see and hear The clear call in the scripture to draw near to you. And that it isn't a matter of knowledge at this point. We clearly hear the call. And you know where we're at in life. and You know the things that we struggle with. And so we're praying for a a measure of power and a measure of grace and a measure of mercy this morning. As we seek to make a commitment. And move past our challenges. And by your power. And by your grace. Be people who draw near. Because you have made the way. And you have given us the invitation. And so now Lord. We want to do our part. Our responsibility. Which is draw near. We will accept no substitutions. For you O oh Lord. There is no sufficient substitution. Thank you for a glorious morning, Lord. We close our time throwing ourselves at your feet, thanking you for your goodness, for the richness with which you've blessed us with this morning in song and in testimony and in the power of your word. Thank you for working here and being here this morning, we pray together. And the name that is above every name, the name that gives us access and hope to draw near, the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.